Here and Now by Ellergast, Part 4 of Monster Sucks, narrated by Smoking Bomber. Summary. Chiba Mamoru went to Harvard and found four friends. They found him too. Chapter 1. The crisp autumn air was alive with the rustling of leaves that were ablaze with fiery orange, the brisk breeze that cut through the sunshine with a suggestion of winter and with taunts so biting that they would have made a few of the passing squirrels blush had they understood their meaning. In an otherwise abandoned park behind an empty school, four young men were alternately throwing basketballs and insults while the fifth sat to the side and offered only the latter. Momoru had yet to muster the courage to say anything disagreeable about anybody's mother, physical appearance, or sexual fortitude, but he had made a well-timed comment about Neil's inability to hang on to the ball, much to the glee of his teammate Jaden, who was otherwise mouthy enough for the both of them. Sasha huddled beside the court in a heavy mass art hoodie, keeping score in the corner of his page while he sketched bodies in mid-leap. I get it now. Neil idly spun the ball between his broad fingers as he squared himself in front of Mamoru. All that Japanese politeness is just an act, isn't it? You're damn competitive when you want to be, Chiba. Mamoru allowed himself only the faintest smirk, because his team was three points up and that was almost in gloating territory. Both Kane and Neil had a couple of inches on him, and Jaden was dwarfed by them all, but as a team they were uncommonly fast. What they lacked in height, they were making up for in pure movement. What was more, Mamoru was finding that, as much to his own surprise as the others, he was remarkably good at predicting the other players' moves. Something about the way that Neil shifted his weight before he moved, or the way that Kane's jaw twitched when he was on the offensive, seemed to betray their every plan, though he was not entirely sure why, and Jaden, who was so very good at executing a few muttered instructions, was more than happy to defer to Mamoru's instincts. Neil, growing grumpy at how he was little more than a lurching troll past which the pair darted like hummingbirds, was becoming increasingly rough in his plays, nearly knocking Mamoru right off his feet when he accidentally body-checked him. Foul, Sasha called without glancing up. The brunette glared murder. Bullshit, you weren't even looking. The blonde shaded in a pair of sneakers. I'm the ref. I call foul. Your ball, Chiba. Neil grudgingly passed the ball to the Japanese man, his good humor giving away to sore loserhood. As Momoru caught it, he tried not to let the gleeful disbelief at his good fortune show too much on his face. He could have been losing abysmally, and he still would have found himself happily stunned to realize that he was no longer the same man who once spent all his waking hours in near solitude. He, who had sometimes gone days barely speaking to another living body, almost could not remember what it was like to have such excursions with his newfound friends to look forward to. Now it was movies and video games at their house, visits to more bars in this city than he had ever seen in his lifetime prior, Neil walking him to his class with steaming coffee cups in their hands. Even his early morning jog, when the air was hushed and brittle with frost, was now sometimes accompanied by Kane, who, Neil revealed, rarely invited anybody to tread upon such a meditative time of his day. It was like he had found himself in a dream, a dream where he was a different man, a man who was liked and accepted, and until now he had no idea what he'd been missing these past 21 years. And sometimes, 
That was almost enough to make him forget to think about the four cold stones locked in his desk drawer. He glanced at Jaden, and the blonde knew what to do. Five nanoseconds later, the ball was through the net, and Neil had just about had it. He gave them all a detailed explanation of why both Japanese and Americans were the scourge of the earth, throwing in a few Russians for good measure, and finally concluded by punching the cement wall behind him, beside him. The game was put on hold on account of injury. It serves you fucking right! Sasha informed him when the brunette had stopped bellowing obscenities, this time out of pain instead of indignation. Let me see that. Mamoru tried to reach for the injured hand. Injured hand. But it hurts! Neil whined, cradling it like it was going to fall off. I should make sure it's not broken. It is broken! I think I broke every bone in my hand! The other three looked remarkably unconcerned. Jaden fished a bottle of water out of his bag. I hope it is broken, you overgrown baby. This isn't hockey. We don't throw fucking tantrums in the middle of the game and start beating on random shit because we're down a few points. If I can't beat anyone up, then it's not a real sport. <laughs> that means curling is right out. You wouldn't say that if you'd gotten hit with a curling rock before. Ow! Neil whined as Mamoru attempted to pry his hand out into the open. Show the nice med student your hand, Neil, Kane advised him, no trace of amusement on his detectable on his face, though his voice was just a little too light for the circumstances. Maybe he'll stitch it up and everything. The Canadian blanched under his brown hair. No, let it fall off. I don't care. You can't make me. Yes, I can. Mamoru latched onto Kane's statement because sometimes it seemed like Kane was the only person who could motivate Neil to do anything, which would really hurt a lot more than just letting me see it. Neil weighed his options and finally seemed to conclude that not even the idea of having his hands stitched together by an untrained med student was more terrifying than Kane. He whimpered as Mamoru took his hand and looked it over. Skin contact and a few moments of concentration was all it took to detect most injuries. Mamoru made a show of looking over the scraped knuckles while his other senses traced them more deeply, scanning each tiny bones for evidence of fracture. He could feel Kane's eyes on him. Can you try to move your fingers for me? Neil whined some more, but did as he was told. Mamoru made him flex his hand a few times and try to get grip his own before pronouncing his hand unbroken. Probably just bruised. You should put some ice on it when you get home. Congratulations! You're only a partial fuck-up! Sasha had not once left his chosen sketching spot throughout Neil's latest spectacle. Neil showed him one of his unbroken fingers. <laughs> Jaden picked up the ball. Well, we're not heading home just because of Neil's idiocy. Hey, Kane, want to see if we could both take down Chiba? Mamoru looked between them. You wouldn't. The blonde shrugged. Desperate times, bro. Somebody's got to do it. Mamoru appealed to Kane. You aren't actually considering this, are you? A shrewd look entered his gray eyes as he crossed his arms before him. What? Are you scared to take us up on the challenge? Suddenly cornered, Mamoru took the only face-saving measure available to him. Do you really think you could take the humiliation? Jaden grinned. Oh shit, son, I think it's on. The game commenced while Neil stood to the side and heckled everybody, including Sasha. So, is that a person or some kind of flying walrus? 
I don't know, win any fights with brick walls lately? That wall had it coming. Hey, Ward, you couldn't outarm my grandma if she gave you a head start. Kane sank the ball, turned to the brunette with a comeback ready, and froze in his tracks. Suddenly on alert, Mamoru followed his gaze. A long shadow fell over the grass behind the, beyond the basketball court, stretching behind the wall of the school that Neil had so rudely punched before. It could have been a tree, or a piece of playground equipment just out of sight, but it was moving. Before he could take a breath to shout, something the size and speed of a small car had crashed headlong into the chain-link fence, and Mamora did not have to guess at what it was. The creature was huge, ferocious, and temporarily distracted by the mysterious metal barrier that had foiled its first strike, and now lay in a tangled heap beneath it. It was red and terrible. Enormous teeth, thick red mane, tail that arced up with a poisonous stinger on the end. It was some terrible parody of a real animal, but twisted and wrong the way that only a yoma could be. In the moment that it spent trying to pull itself up, five men stood frozen. Momoru expected them to follow proper civilian protocol in the event of a yoma attack and run the hell away from the big scary monster, but apparently they were of the class of people who either panicked too much to save themselves or had some kind of psychotic notion that they could actually take on a creature like that. Momoru grew weary of those sorts of people. They always needed rescuing. Except for that little problem of trying to pretend to his newfound friends that he was an average human being with, um, no supernatural powers whatsoever. So, now here he was. Four people to rescue and no way of doing it. Running away was sounding better by the second. Sasha had backed just outside the reach of the monster's enormous paws, but that did not mean it was going to make a lunge for him any moment. Sasha, get away! His back turned to Mamoru, the wild curls of his copper-blonde hair hiding his face. Mamoru could not tell whether it was panic or insanity that made him drop a sketch pad at that moment and turn to face the creature that was rising to tower at full height. What was clear was that either way, he needed to get the heck away, now. Without thinking, without hearing Kane shout his name, he launched himself at Sasha with all the speed he possessed. He grabbed the gray hood and pulled, flinging the shorter man backward. The blonde stumbled into him, sputtering. "'What are you doing?' "'You need to move,' Mamoru informed him, since he did not seem to be gathering this very important fact himself. Sasha was much stronger than he looked when he planted himself, though, and would not be shoved back a second time. The predatory growl behind him reminded Mamoru that the creature had recovered a little too quickly for his liking. With no more time to waste, Momoru did something that Neil had taught him, and that he had never expected to ever put into action. He body-slammed Sasha right off his feet and turned to place himself between him and the beast. When the attack came, he expected it to be in the form of claws, or maybe teeth, or perhaps a nondescript ball of raw energy. He did not expect that he would look up just in time to see the scorpion-like stingers lunge lightning-fast at his face. The next thing he knew, he was writhing on the ground, feeling like his eyeballs were dissolving in acid. Horrible sounds erupted above him. Furious roars, shouts, ground-shaking footsteps. He tried to force his eyes open, but the pale blur of light he managed to snatch was not worth the paralyzing pain. Blind and disoriented, barely able to breathe for the pain, he forced himself onto his elbows and tried to drag himself away from the crazed monster. Strong hands were pulling him up. Get up! Kane's voice commanded. Move! 
Mamoru forced himself to work against his instinctive desire to lay in a paralyzed heap until his entire face stopped feeling like it was being boiled from the inside. He could barely move his legs to get them under him, could barely tell which direction was up, but somehow he struggled to his feet and stumbled in the direction Kane pulled him. He had no intention of leaving the battle behind with all his friends in danger, but he couldn't have run away even if he wanted to. When his hand felt the cool brick of the school wall, he collapsed weakly against it. Can you open your eyes? He hoped the half-shake of his head was enough of a response, because moving it again seemed like an awful idea. Cain, that thing... Quiet. Tilt your head back. He choked back an agonized scream when Cain's fingers roughly forced his eye open and streams of cold water joined the burning pain in his eye sockets. He endured the other eye, because somewhere deep in his medical mind he knew that it was somehow necessary to flush out the venom, and only when Cain had run out of water and released him did he start to feel incrementally better. Think you can stand? I need to get you out of here. The metallic crash of one of more chain-link fence falling made him try to open his eyes again, but no amount of concentrated blinking would render the world into anything more distinct than a blur of foggy colors. We need to get everyone else away. They'll be fine. They can distract it long enough for us to get to a safe distance. Momoru could not believe what he was hearing. This wasn't a game where they could all keep on pretending to be superstars. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's a big fucking lion thing. It's already injured. They can outrun it easily. He had found himself in many tight spots before, but Mamoru had never realized until this moment how dependent he had been on the other senshi. The normal thing to do in this situation was to sit tight and wait for help. There was always someone else out there ready to come running at the first sign of danger. But there was no one else now. Nobody to call for backup. If he left it, the Yoma would keep on keep right on rampaging and hunting and hurting and maybe killing people. If he did not, then these new friends of his were not going anywhere either. But it meant exposing himself, and every compromise of his identity exponentially increased his risk of getting jumped in a dark alley by some mad supervillain. And, somehow almost as frightening, it meant that he could no longer pretend with these new friends, however briefly, that he was anything normal. We're leaving. Kane began to pull him up. No. Why? Kane's grip on his shoulders was forceful, so much so that Momoru knew if he could see, he would be forced to look him in the eye. If you've got a better idea, then say so. It was as if he could read Momoru's thoughts, as if he knew exactly what he was debating right then. The beast bellowed out another ground-shaking roar, and he knew that it was ridiculous to even consider any option other than eliminating it. Momura took a breath. You need to get everyone else away. I won't be able to. Because you can't bloody see? No, because I'll be too busy. Without waiting for Kane to ask him what he meant, without letting another second pass by in which his friends foolishly faced down a giant Yoma alone, he lifted his hand to his, he lifted his, hand to his eyes and flooded them with healing power. It took only a few seconds before he could open them again and see the gravel beneath him almost as clearly as he used to. He stood without a word and raced back across the blacktop, leaving behind a cane who, for once, seemed stunned utterly into silence. The Yoma had indeed been injured, judging by the limp in its step, but he had no time to wonder how such an event had transpired. Two young men stood well outside the monster's reach, but Jaden was way too close. 
As if he hoped somebody was filming this for posterity, he kept taunting the creature, running just within its reach, only to leap away from its claws, shouting insults as it, at it as he did so. Neil was circling around behind the monster while it distracted, him, distracted itself with pawing at the annoying blonde thing, as though he had the crazy notion of doing something that might actually hurt it. If Mamoru could possibly have run any faster to prevent either of them from doing something idiotic, he would have. In any other context, the grin Jaden wore as he danced out of the Yomas' reach would have been infectious, the taunts flying out of his mouth almost as fast as his feet could move. Oh yeah, who's the big scary monster? What is this, the Lion King? What are you going to do, sing the circle of life at me? Jaden! Mamoru shouted, somehow hoping the single word was enough to make the blonde see reason. He glanced at Mamoru away from the monster, his smile broad. Come join the fun, bro. It's like playing with a giant cat. The giant cat saw its chance. Stinger flexing, red eyes gleaming, with lightning speed it pounced, and in a half second, Jaden had vanished behind the creature's bulk. The world seemed to slow down. It was like a nightmare, where Mamoru's legs refused to move fast enough, where the ground beneath him warped and stretched out away from him. He could see Neil. He could see Neil heaving one of the metal poles that had supported the destroyed chain-link fence, and somehow it did not register in his mind that the pole looked oddly sharp on one end before the brunette plunged it into the monster's side. In the moment that it reared its head to give a terrible roar, something like blood seemed to fleck its maw. Then the Yoma vanished and all Mamoru could see was Jaden, his throat and shoulder an unrecognizable mess of blood. Everything stopped. Time, the universe, sound, his breath, and the feet beneath him. At the edge of the blacktop was a face whose grin he could call to his mind in an instant, so close and familiar was it, but it had turned all wrong. Though its throat was torn open, Jaden moved slightly, a twitch of his hand, a frantic heaving of his chest. He was still alive. But just as Momoru thought this, another truth pushed into his mind. In another moment, another few seconds, he would not be. There was a roaring in his ears, like a coming earthquake. He only now noticed it, as it crescendoed, began to shake through his entire being. He forced himself to move the last few steps, forced himself to face the bloodied, struggling, no, dying friend. When he touched him, the world exploded. She struck him from behind. That was her way. All who witnessed it would remember it as the moment when Prince Endymion sacrificed himself for serenity, and he would have done it willingly a hundred times if it would ensure her life. But when he had jumped in the blade's path, he had no illusions that she would survive much longer than himself. Cries mingled with the princess's scream, and as he crumpled to the ground, he knew that his desperate plan had had its effect. He struggled to look up into the faces that hovered above him, dirtied and bloodied with battle, and eyes that had been clouded for so many days with a hatred not their own seemed to see him for the first time. The pain was giving way to a terrifying cold, but still he managed something almost like a smile. There you are. I've missed you so. A weight came crashing down on, upon his back. The woman who had brought down worlds in her jealous love for him had the audacity to brace her foot against his broken body to remove her blade, and he no longer had the strength not to scream from the pain. 
a purple gown slithered into his line of sight, and for one horrible moment he feared that the witch had him at last, that the final seconds of his life would be possessed by her, and he would leave this life with her tank clutching at his soul. "'Don't you touch him!' shouted Jadeite, who always acted first and thought later, who moved faster than a raging river even when he knew a deadly trap lay open before him. He never hesitated to challenge the witch, just as she never hesitated to dispatch him just as quickly. Her enchanted sword was still slick with the prince's blood when it slid as easily into his chest as if his bones were made of water. The body dropped, awkward and undignified. Blood everywhere, his and jadeites, and the storm-blue eyes stared at him, vacant glass orbs that would remain still forever. They would be the last thing he saw in that life. light and color in the incessant roar threatening to shake his bones apart. Jaden's name repeating itself in his head like a Gregorian chant, like a holy mantra, was the only thing keeping him from screaming or fainting or both. From somewhere within the storm a steady voice somehow penetrated the din. Calm down. Calm down and focus. A similar statement pushed itself to the forefront of his mind. Calm down and don't panic. You'll never heal anybody, anybody if you lose your head, my prince. With no time to consider the source of that memory, Momoru forced himself to reign in his power, to think about the wounds immediately in front of him, and not about the friend he might lose because of them. Slowly, reluctantly, the golden light around him dimmed, flowing into Jaden instead of everywhere. Now that he had a proper grip on it, he focused all of his powers on closing those wounds, on feeling the skin rapidly mend itself layer by layer beneath his fingers. His pulse roared in his ears, pounding in time with Jaden's. He was the gateway, and his power was a river flooding through him. Faintly, as if from a great distance, he heard a voice talking to him insistently. But he couldn't rest, not when his friend, the friend he so needed, could be lost without him. The wounds were quite shallow now. They were only cuts. They were closing. They were an old scar. They were no scar at all. His healing power slowed to a trickle of its own accord, and the noise died in his ears. The same voice was speaking again, reaching his ears slowly as if it traveled through water. He's okay now. You can stop. He's okay. Mamoru opened his eyes to see the intact skin beneath the bloodied shreds of Jaden's shirt, and at last he allowed his power to stop flowing completely. The golden light around his hands faded, leaving him feeling cold and hollowed out and shakily his fingers fumbled through the tattered fabric for a pulse. Strong hands closed around his shoulders. That same reassuring voice was close by his ear. Mamori, you, you don't have... I need to know, he mumbled. But say, suddenly Jaden's body was shaking with coughs, and Mamoru barely had time to articulate the words, Help him! before Neil had rolled him on his side to cough up the last of the blood in his newly repaired throat. He'll be okay once he can breathe again, right? Sasha stood apart from them, looking almost as pale as his fellow blonde. Mamoru nodded, or he thought he nodded, or at least vaguely considered nodding, but his eyes were on Jaden, retching on the pavement, bright red blood bubbling up to his lips, exactly like his vision of Jadeite the blood spilling from the corner of mouth, his mouth, that hollow blue eye, 
He had never been sickened by the sight of blood, but now Momoru wavered to his feet, stumbled across the pavement, and got sick in the bushes behind the school. He did not notice that Kane had followed until he felt a steadying hand on his arm. All right, mate. Momoru leaned against the concrete wall of the school, though he had a strange impulse to lean against Kane instead. He had always wished for memories of his steno. Now he had gotten his wish.